Hello, and welcome to the She Flourishes podcast, a weekly soul-stirring conversation that lifts you out of the funk and into the flourishing life, so you can live life as the best version of you. I'm your host, Brenda Jasmine. For the past 11 years, I've been coaching women and leading personal development workshops as a speaker and mindset coach. She Flourishes is an extension of those workshops and conversations and is designed to help you create the flourishing life that you were meant to live. Let's get started. Hello. On today's show, I am so pleased to have Jelana Ray with us. Jelana and I met on uh, doing a program together. Um, we're, we're both part of Stu McLaren's membership experience. And uh, Jelena and I met when I was running, I was thinking of doing a summit, the She Flourishes Summit, which some of you listening, I know, um, attended. And when I decided to do a summit, I saw like we have this group community Facebook page as part of this, this membership experience we're both part of. And um I saw that Jelana had actually done a summit herself. And so I had reached out to her and she was so helpful in, in helping me um, to design. And, and she was such a great mentor um, to me, bouncing ideas back and forth about the summit and her experience. So I'm, uh, I'm so delighted to have her today to talk about her membership and the work that she does because Jelana is the founder of the New Entrepreneurial Women's Collective, which is a membership to help women who are in transition. And she's all about helping women to write that next chapter in their lives, whatever it is. And she also um, has these three phases of flourishing and a path to flourishing that she's designed that she she takes women through. And so we had so much in common with the type of work we do in the world. And I love Jelana's take on on, and her approach to flourishing. So um, so I invited her to come on with us today. So welcome to the show, Jelana. Thank you so much. And I'm so thrilled that you invited me to be on your show because we do have such an aligned mission and and passion for flourishing. So thank you for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about your background and your story and kind of what inspired you to become an entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, it's a very long story, so I'll try to make I'll try to just hit the highlights or the lowlights in my case is with all of the um speaking of transitions, all of the things that we transition from and to at that point, I mean, when I look back, maybe it was a midlife crisis, I don't know, but at the same time that my kids were leaving the nest, I was separated from my husband of 23 years and short well I say shortly it was close to 2 years after we separated it was it was never even a legal separation there was never any paperwork filed but that's where we were that's where we were at and he died mm. suddenly heart his heart stopped so a i blamed it on myself i broke his heart and then he died his and I think um, 
Well, I don't know that my son blamed that on me, but he was definitely angry at me for leaving in the first place. So my relationship with my kids was strained. Um, well, with one kid. And I was living in a new city because of a job that I took. And so I was, I relocated, I was headed for divorce and then became a widow. And as a result of that, I inherited all of our debt, which was half a million dollars. And so I was also bankrupt. So all of the things. I had all of the transitions mm-hmm. <laughs> all at once. I was retiring from parenting kind of in an in empty nest sort of way. It's kind of like a retirement. It's that phase is done. That play is over. The script is finished at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, though, you're never done parenting, but in that capacity, you know, when mm-hmm. your children are at home. And, um, and then I moved to a new city and then I was separated from my husband. And then I never thought I would be a divorced person person. And then I became a widowed person instead. So it was like I was both almost in a weird way. Yes. Yes. It's um, and thank you for sharing that because that's, I'm sure, you know, not always an easy thing. You must have been, yeah. Like, and I I just I can't imagine. So, so let me get this right. So you were going to, you were planning on getting, you were separated and you were planning on getting divorced. And then your husband passed away suddenly. And so instead of being now a divorced woman, you're now a, a widow and mm-hmm. and then have now inherited um, all this debt that you, I, I think you had weren't aware of this debt by the sounds of it. So uh, uh, some that I was, yeah. yeah but yeah. there was, yeah. Like I just kept finding stuff out that, yeah. that there was, yeah. Yeah. So a scary situation to be in. And so, I mean, that's enough to just make anyone want to like, probably like curl up in a corner and just, and instead, so what did you do next? So tell us a little bit about, about what you did next then and what led you to where you are now. In the immediate next, I kind of don't remember. <laughs> I sort mm-hmm. of blacked it out. Um, it was a really rough couple of years. But I had this job that I'd moved to a new city for, and I just uh, eat, sleep, and work, actually. that's I, I never even, I worked on a ship, and so every chance I had to take overtime and not go shoreside again, I took it, because that was all, I just did. I just ate, sleep, and work. And the people I worked with didn't know anything about my story. So I felt so much shame in that period of, like I said, I kind of blamed myself for my husband's death, even though, you know, intellectually, cognitively, I know that in 23 years of marriage, I never knew the man to ever go to a doctor. Like I know all of these things, Mm -hmm. but the reality is I broke his heart and then his heart stopped. I mean, that's, that's the story you're telling yourself. What happened? I'm not, Mm -hmm. and it just felt like I caused it. And I don't know, maybe, Maybe there's a certain element of of that, but that's there's so many layers to that, <laughs> you know. And um, so, after a couple of years, the bankruptcy was finalized, the estate was settled, the IRS, which you cannot file bankruptcy on, was I did an offer in compromise, and everything was finally done. 
And then I, you know, now it's like almost three years later when that all was settled. And then I started to look around and think, now what? Like that was my entire life was revolving around settling this estate, getting out of debt, the bankruptcy being finalized, getting the IRS satisfied. And I had rebuilt my relationship with my son. And then now we're back on a level plane. And I, mm-hmm. and I started to look at my job and go, hmm, this is it then, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and realized that I'm it's like a clean slate. Basically, I've got nothing, no credit, even or you know, I had this job that my kids didn't live in town. I was really just at zero. I was at ground zero and wondering what the heck to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, which in on one hand is actually kind of exciting. So I was I was coming up for air. I wasn't in that desperate, um, sad place anymore. I mean that you you never really get over losing someone, even though we were headed for divorce. Actually, there was really not any animosity. I certainly didn't wish that on, on him, you know, and certainly not on my children. So anyway, after recovering or, or waking up from that sadness and that period of time and looking around and wondering, what do I do now? And is this job really what I want? for you know for 20 more years or something right so I started and and also because my children didn't live in that town I'm the one who moved away I thought okay now they're gonna get married and have children at some point I didn't have any grandkids or anything but I thought someday I'm gonna have grandchildren and I'm going to want to be nearer Mm -hmm. to them so I thought I'll be an entrepreneur (laughs) (laughs) I'll start an online business and I'll learn a few skills and start a business and it'll be great. And that'll be that, Um, which is kind of how it's presented out there in the world. You know, you just got to learn. You can sell your knowledge and all of this stuff, which you can, it's true. But what they don't tell you is there's this whole inner game, or I think they're probably starting to talk about it now, but there's this whole inner game that has to happen alongside this new thing you're trying to do. Yes. And um, absolutely. I wasn't being very successful, um, needless to say. So then I, um, as a part of becoming an entrepreneur, I signed up for this um, weekend long branding workshop. And as part of this branding workshop, we delved into our core values because as a personal brand, you want to represent yourself in an authentic way and um, like attracts like and all of those things. But I didn't really know who I was anymore. I'd spent my entire life making sure that my family was, um, that their dreams and their, Mm. that they were flourishing, right? And so now I don't know really who I am anymore without all of that. You know, now I'm I'm just me now. So what do I have to offer? So this branding workshop um, had us do a, a timeline of our life and all the highs and low moments and get to where our core values came from and what they are and why they are. You can't just pick words that sound good out of the air um, and have them be 
internally um, meaningful to us mm-hmm. because our core values come from the experiences that we've had often in early childhood, but really any time in life. There are just so many of them come from those early experiences in our lives. And as a result of, of like learning about my values and why they are my values, not just because I thought honesty was a good value. It sounds good. Who, who doesn't want to be an honest person? So, um, but that wasn't one of them. My biggest value is connection. And, and it, so lots of people have the value of connection, mm-hmm. but it means something a little bit different. There's little nuances of why a value of mine is connection versus your value is connection. Yes. It's because of our own experiences. Yeah. It's, it's, it's as individual as your fingerprint, really, even if it's mm-hmm. the same word internally and emotionally, it's different for me than it is for you. Yeah. So we could have both have the value of connection, but it could have a different definition for each of us. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It, it draws up different memories, different emotions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it plays out in our daily life, maybe in a different way. Mm-hmm. So I, so this is so fascinating, Jelana. So, and I, I'm just thinking for people listening, I mean, you know, that story, your story is, you know, it, it can be um, one, it's one of resilience. Absolutely. And, and it really getting into such a difficult, difficult situation um, emotionally, financially, um, mentally, like that was a a difficult situation to be in. And yet there you were, you just, you just figured out what to do. It took you, did you say three years to get yourself out of the kind of the, the hole of the, the debt and, and then, um, you know, grieving and, and all of that. And like you said, you're still, you know, you still never really get over that loss, even if it is someone that you were planning on that you're separated from, it's still an important person in your, in your life. And so you got out of that and then you, you know, started a business, realized that there's this inner mind mindset, mind game that goes on. And then you're taking this, this branding workshop and realizing, yeah, who am I now? And, and, and who, like, who is my authentic self? And if I'm going to brand myself and tell the world who I am, I, I better need, I better find out who I am first and, and get clear on, on who I am first. So what, um, so when you got connected Actually, I want to rewind even a little bit more. Um, can you just tell us, like, for if in case there's someone listening who's feeling like they're in that place where you were the three years prior to starting your business, you know, just would you have any, what would you say to that woman or that person? Because I, I think, um, I think that, you know, there might be someone in that place. And, and I think yours is a story of, of resilience and, and coming out the other side. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that because I don't I don't think of it in that way, but but I guess you're right. Yeah, that 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 was resilience. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose there's probably maybe there are. I was going to say maybe not very many people have all of that at once, <laughs> all of those transitions, you know, all happening at the same time. Um, even just one of those transitions, um, my children leaving home wasn't for me wasn't um I mean there was an element of sadness but 
but just but more like proud of them. They did it. They they became adults and they're, you know, they're gainfully employed and you know they're they're nice people. And so yay, it it worked. Um, so I missed them, but I wasn't ever really um mourning them moving out. Mm-hmm. But it's still a transition. It's still um it still comes down to I retired from that job of being their daily, you know, mother support system. Actually still text with my daughter every day and she's 34 now, but <laughs> <laughs> so you never really retire from that, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're, I'm not making their lunches and fixing their dinner and, you know, being, being the at home mom. Mm-hmm. So any one of those kind of transitions can kind of throw us in a tailspin. Absolutely. And, yeah. And where I felt so much shame and, and, and now I look back and I'm like, why, why did that feel so shameful? Um, other than the part about leaving my husband, because I just thought everybody hated me for that. <laughs> but um, you don't have to do it alone, I think is probably the biggest thing because I tried to handle all of that by myself. Be, probably because of uh, feeling all of that shame. I didn't want to ask for help. I didn't want to share with anybody what I was going through mm-hmm. or um, I felt like I should be able to, I, to take care of this myself. I was embarrassed about all of the debt that we had. Mm-hmm. I was embarrassed that I didn't know about some of it. I felt, you know, like I said, the shame of, of feeling like it was my fault that he died and fearing that other people thought that too that other people thought it's my fault that he had a heart attack. Also, what I didn't say is that he was 20 years older than me. Mm. So, um, gosh, what was he? He was 72 at the time. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that one could say that could point to that, to say that was not my fault. Mm -hmm. Um, And even then, like I said, I knew logically that that wasn't my fault, but emotionally and in my heart, it just felt like it. And it felt so heavy on me personally. It just felt so guilty and shameful. And so I didn't reach out. I didn't seek help. I didn't um, share with anybody until I felt much, you know, years later, this has been um, March will be 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I actually feel like, it's only becoming more comfortable now in the last year or even maybe two at the most where I feel like I can talk about it more openly, actually. And I think mm-hmm. there's still a little bit of that peace, that peace mm-hmm. of shame and not mm-hmm. wanting to or feeling like nobody wants to hear that, you know, and don't share that with anybody. And I don't know. It's just it's it's hard for mm-hmm. it's a hard thing. Yeah. And I appreciate it. Like, it is and and i appreciate you sharing it and and i think it it um it's important i think it's you know shame is you know brené brown right talks so much about shame and how it's the most difficult emotion and how mm-hmm. we can even feel like we're getting through it but it, it's it's a tough one right and i think that's really helpful what you're sharing about you know how did you get through it well you you try you went a through it, a lot of it alone. 
And looking back now, what you would say to other women who might be in a difficult situation is to not try and go it alone and to ask for help and to be willing to share and and you know and as Brené Brown says you know we don't just share with anyone you know share with the right people and the people we we feel we can trust you know when we're feeling vulnerable um but i i just think um let's let's tell the rest of your story because this is a story of flourishing and resilience and so so you go back we'll go back to you're at this um you're at this retreat or this this branding um weekend you're learning about your your values and i know that was a really impactful experience for you so um yeah so tell us more about what what that led to yeah so discovering my core values and and figuring out that i'm the way i am for a reason and 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 i might be quirky and weird maybe in a little ways <laughs> But there's a reason for it, and it's okay. It's just who I am. And other people have their own quirky, weird stories from their past that have allowed them to develop the values that they have. I'm just like everybody else. Who knew? <laughs> so, so there's also also I feel like there's this weird um, dichotomy of yes, we're just like everybody else. We're all the same. We all have stories from our past, some happy, some sad, and they all contribute to who we are. But at the same time, we are each unique and different and special in, in our own unique way. So it's like, we're all the same in that we're all different. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. So th there's that weird circular thing there for me. But so I have to say, when I walked away from that weekend, I didn't feel like I walked away a different person, but it was in the next six months to a year following that it piqued my curiosity for sure. And I started delving into core values and purpose and Simon Sinek's uh, discover your why and um, took a couple workshops in fact with Simon Sinek and so just kept diving in and over the course of the next six months to a year, I just felt so liberated to know who I am mm. and why I am and that mm. it's okay to be who I am. It just was really so liberating. And then I felt like I just want everybody to have that feeling. I want everybody to feel that okay. I want mm. everybody to feel that, um, that they're enough just as they are. And I'm not saying that I don't still struggle with, the enoughness, you know, there's, it's always ebbing and flowing. Um, but what I, even when I'm ebbing, I can fall back on what I know about my values, what I know about what I've discovered about myself. And then following that, there's tons of, um, you know, personality tests and strengths finders and um, human design most recently. Um, all of these things, and they all say the same thing about me. And that there's other people like me. There's, mm -hmm. <laughs> there's <laughs> other people who feel, you know, the way I do, there's other projectors on human design, there's other, um, what am I, INFP, 
Oh, for the Myers-Briggs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can never remember what it is, but, but there's other people who relate to that. And mm-hmm. I've always felt so the other, I've always felt so much an outsider. And so it's just, it made me feel included, I guess. Mm. There's other people like me. Yes. And it just made me feel like part of humanity. <laughs> part of a section of humanity that, you know, you know what I mean? It's hard to describe, I think. But yeah, yeah, I would say, A, don't wait to talk to other supportive people. Like you said, you got to choose your group, um, even if it's a therapist. I mm-hmm. ended up on Xanax because I just went to a doctor for, um, I forget why there was there like I was dizzy or something. And she right away asked me, are you sleeping? And I was thinking, mm. well, that's a weird question, but no, <laughs> if you want to <laughs> know the truth. Honestly. Mm. And um, so anyway, she prescribed Xanax, which worked great. <laughs> it, um, I didn't really realize what it was at the time. But um, it just got my sleep, my circadian rhythm back on track after yeah. like four days. And mm-hmm. then my body kind of remembered how to sleep. But mm. just uh, um, a series of you really need your sleep. And that just affects so many other things. But maybe we could avoid being on antidepressants or Xanax or, you know, maybe it wouldn't take three years to come around if I had shared it a therapist, if nobody, you know, if I didn't want to share it with mm-hmm. friends and relatives or, or a group, there's, I, I believe that my, my um, insurance through my job would have covered it. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was going to open up to do that. Mm-hmm. So I would say, don't take so long to, yes. to deal with it on your own, share with somebody. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and just to be clear, medication can have its place, like we know, right? Absolutely. And um, and therapy and talking therapy is can be so powerful. And so yeah, that's that's a great suggestion to, you know, like talk to someone and and yeah, get get some get some help. And and then I love this whole idea of you got clear on your values and then you felt like, oh, you know, and and did those, you know, those personality tests are great, right? They make us feel so interesting how, like you're saying, it makes you feel, you know, unique and I am enough and this is who I am. And yet there's also this part of this um making you feel like part of you know like oh there's other people like me like there's other infps or and i'm it's funny you're an infp i'm enfp on myers-briggs so it's like you know it's knowing that oh and then even looking to see well what percentage of the population you know falls into that so some of them there's more people there's fewer people and that can also help you say oh that's why maybe i feel a little different or a little bit like this or that because you know, I'm a leader or I'm, you know, this or that, or this, you know, really creative or this unique part of my personality um, make, is what makes me, what makes me different. And we can celebrate that. We can celebrate the commonalities and we can also celebrate, you know, the differences and um, our, and what's unique to us and our unique gifts. And so with that, you then, um, so I know now with your business, you have, um, you have these three different phases of flourishing that you take women through on this flourishing path through your new entrepreneurial women's collective. And would you be willing to share a little bit about this, this path to flourishing that, that you've come up with? 
So I liken it to like gardening. The three phases are cultivate, emerge, and then flourish. So I feel like the cultivating stage might be the most important if I want to say, if I want to give levels of importance on any one phase because they're all important, but it's so foundational. Um, Cultivating the foundation for personal growth and for flourishing. It's um, preparing the conditions that allow for flourishing. So like um, being introspective and uh, looking inward, examining our beliefs, examining our core values and our feelings and emotions. And um, it can really develop our self-awareness. Even when we think we're self-aware, there's so much chatter mm-hmm. in our head mm-hmm. and, and we often, it, there's so much chatter that we often don't really listen carefully to it. Even the negative stuff, we need to be aware of it mm-hmm. so that we can deal with it. Mm-hmm. We can't change what we're not aware of or refuse to look at, you know? And so making time for introspection, having a morning routine is you know, I, I'm not a hundred percent good at it. There's mornings I sleep in and then go, Oh, (laughs) I gotta get going. Um, and I miss it. But what I know is that my day goes so much better when I don't skip it. Mm -hmm. So having a morning routine with meditation, um, just being in silence and maybe saying some affirmations, thinking about what are your priorities for that day? It makes you so much more productive and focused. And feeling successful at the end of the day, if you go into it with intention. So having a morning routine and meditating, um, meditating can reduce the stress and um, and anxiety and increase focus. Um, The biggest thing I think is journaling, because Mm. in the introspection, having a morning routine, journaling being maybe a part of that and meditating, sometimes ideas come to you in meditation or just sitting in silence. Um, like when you're in the shower and you have great ideas or driving because mm. your mind is just kind of, I mean, this Relax. is probably not a good idea, but have you ever driven <laughs> somewhere and then not remembered how you got there? <laughs> yeah. You kind of get on autopilot, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's when kind of ideas start to flow. You when your when your mind is kind of relaxed, so grab a journal. You got to write that stuff down. You think you'll remember, but you don't. <laughs> you mm-hmm. Don't. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I actually sometimes a- travel. Like I'll bring a journal with me, and of course not when we're driving. But <laughs> but you know, just to have that so that when those ideas do, when you get those ideas, you capture them. So I love this idea about cultivating. So for thinking about flourishing, for th- it makes me think of you know plants and flowers, right? We need to cultivate. We need to get the ground ready for these big changes. So I love that idea of the. I think that's so important. Um, what you're talking about, that time for reflection, that time for understanding yourself, and then adding that, building that into your day, whether it's a morning routine with meditation, journaling, quiet time, and allowing for that. So that's the first stage of the, your first phase of flourishing. What's and so what what's the next one? And then that allows the emergence of our authenticity. And um, so having that foundation in place. And it's, you have to get circular because we're always revisiting the journaling, 
the morning routine. Like I said, I'm not perfect at it. I'm always working on um, making that a, a regular practice. It's it's a practice. It's continuous. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, and then you can kind of get connected with your intuition. And the only way you can start to hear and trust your intuition is through the practice of listening to it and journaling about it. And that's when, so the emergence is when you can start to discover your values. And, and I tell you that, like I said, it took me six months to a year to really internalize a lot of what the work that I did on that one weekend didn't walk away a changed person, but journaling and meditating on those things and looking deeper into it. And, um, and meanwhile, you think of other things in your life, in your past Mm. that, um, that answers questions kind of like, Oh, no wonder I hate being late. My, my dad was late to everything Mm. and it was embarrassing or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. So example. Yeah. So it's so interesting. So first we're cultivating and then we cultivate and then things are going to emerge out of that where we learn more about ourselves and we discover our values and different things. And then, but it doesn't mean you don't still keep reflecting, which you're you're doing in that cultivating stage. So it's, it's cyclical in nature. So I, I really like that. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And so, so one is cultivate, two is emerge or emergence. And, and what's the third phase? Flourishing. So the flourishing phase is when you can get um, co-creative within a group and support each other and um, stepping outside the comfort zone, being courageous and trying new things, trying something that maybe we've always wanted to try. I just recently, I was reflecting. I just turned 60. (laughs) So I've been (laughs) reflecting. (laughs) As one does when they uh, turn an age that ends in a zero, right? (laughs) In the last decade, in my 50s, I was just thinking about some of the things that I have done. So what sparked this reflection on this particular case was over the weekend, um, it's been so hot here. We were at the beach. And Sorry, I have- Jelana, you have to tell everyone where you are because people are going to say, what do you mean it's been so hot? Because we're, we're oh. uh, recording this in it's winter in Canada <laughs> where I am. <laughs> And summer in Uruguay, South America, where I am. Yes. So it's been over 100 degrees for the last week. And just to get some relief, because we also don't have air conditioning, um, we were at the beach so that we could swim. You know, you get wet, you cool off, and then you phew, go sit in the shade. And so I have a stand-up paddleboard. I did get sunburned, by the way, but yeah. um, a stand-up paddleboard. So I've been learning to, to, to sup. Yes, that's what I I was doing that in the summer. I love it. How do you how are you enjoying it? Oh, I love it. But now my board sprung a leak, so I oh. gotta repair. Okay. I think um it was just so hot, I think blue melted. But um so my um I do have a new boyfriend that I'm here in Uruguay with. Anyway, he was videoing me on the on the stand-up paddleboard where I fell in. And I posted it on social media because I said, this is kind of embarrassing because I was barely moving. It's not like there were <laughs> waves or anything. But um, and, and I just tipped over and fell in. But I said, I want people, what I really want is for women to, to think, wow, if she can do that, then maybe I can try something. Maybe it's something different. But um, 
learn new stuff. Learn, you know, don't be afraid like, oh, I'm too old. No, you're not. You're not too old. Just get out there and try it. Paddleboard on your butt if you don't want to stand up <laughs> or right. um, whatever the thing is that you want to try. It doesn't have to be paddleboarding. But so then I was thinking about the stuff that I've done in my 50s. I learned I took sailing lessons, something I've always wanted to try and thought, oh, I'll probably never be able to sail. Why not? I took sailing lessons. It was great fun. Um, we walked across Spain and did the Camino de Santiago. Um, well, I got the SUP board when I was still in my 50s. <laughs> <laughs> Moved to Uruguay. Um, like there's, there's just some things that I never in a million years would have thought. But why the heck not? So if there's something you really want to do, ask yourself, why not? What's mm -hmm. stopping you really? Mm -hmm. And you only get, you're, no, you're never going to be as young as you are today. You're never going to be <laughs> younger. So do it. So I say, I say do it and experience, you know, make life an adventure and um, experience new things. So if you know who Donald Miller is, the, um, what's his book? Story brand, the story brand guy. He's got a new book called Hero on a Mission. And I am, I relate so much to that book. And he talks about like being in the story brand way that he talks about everything being a story um, and being the hero in the story. And when you have a, um, a blank page, that it can feel a little bit scary because there's uncertainty and there's fear of the unknown and, and all of that. But the exciting thing is you get to write the story. Mm. It's blank. Yes, but you get to write it. You So write an interesting story, write a story that you want to keep coming back to and revisit because it's so good. So I just, I love the way he talks about that. So Yes, yeah. that's so inspiring, Joanna. I think that makes so much sense. And I, I've heard a lot about, um, I know uh, some people talk about like, you know, um, do you know that movie? It's one of my favorite movies. I watch it like over and over again. <laughs> it's um, The Holiday with um, with Kate Winslet and um, Cameron Diaz, where they switch houses. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh. I have not seen it. Okay. I've heard of it though. Okay. So Kate Winslet, um, her character, she's she befriends this person who was like a, a playwright and a screenwriter. And he said to her, You're you're a leading lady, but you're playing like the secondary, um, the supporting actress, but you're a leading lady and be the leading lady in your own life. So I just it, it, you talking about being the hero of your life and writing that story, it reminds me of that. And I think, you know, in this whole idea of, you know, being the main character and being the hero character or the the leading lady, so to speak, um, in he was an older gentleman, so he was referring to it as, you know, the leading lady. Um, but yeah, like writing, writing that story and 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 creating that story for ourselves. And I mean, you're just such a, a beautiful example and such a an inspiring example of someone who has like rewritten your story or, or maybe not rewritten but you've you've created another story and this next chapter the way you want it to be and i think that yeah. your story can inspire so many of us and that and and even my mom my mom is um turning 80 this year 
and um, and they're moving to a new state. So I feel like when COVID hit, she it was easy for her to just stay home and and not have anything to do. And she kind of got comfortable there, but she's also bored. And um, another thing that Donald Miller talks about, and 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 this is so true, and and I know you can relate to if you have something um, on the horizon, like um, like I know you have your um, the group of ladies that do the sunrise thing. That's an annual mm-hmm. thing, right? So mm-hmm. you kind of work up to it. You talk about it. You have this event where you're every day going for the sunrise thing, but then it ends. And then there's always like this little bit of a letdown at the end, right? When it's all over, you plan a big wedding and then it's over or, or a birthday party or a vacation or, you know, anything that you have that you're, it's part of your story. It's like a, it's like a, what do you call it? A subplot. Mm. It's like the subplot of your overall story. And it's a story within a story. And every time one story ends, you need to get a new story going. Mm-hmm. And um, Victor Frankl calls it the existential vacuum when you've got nothing that's giving you hope or nothing that um, you have to look forward to. There's no story. Mm-hmm. And and if you are in a movie where there's, you know, you wake up and play a video game, you're not going to watch that movie very long. It's not interesting. And And so you need to get a new story going. So I was telling my mom, um, you need to get a new story going. Now they're moving. And I was like, so, so mom, this is your subplot right now. You're moving. You've got this every day you wake up and you're like, what am I going to pack today? And um, it's exciting. And they haven't even found a house to move to yet, but they sold their house. And so mm-hmm. they've got this whole subplot going of where are they going to move and what are they going to keep? And, you know, but now after they're moving, they're all settled in to their new house, wherever that might be. I was like, mom, you're going to have to start a new story. <laughs> you're mm-hmm. going to have to like get, you know, get, get a new story going. Something that keeps you interested in life. So, so true. I love that too. Yeah. And, yes. And that's part yeah. of how we're going to flourish. Yes. I, I think that's, yeah. Like what is the story? What is your flourishing story? And I think that's a great, a great Thing to leave people with today is to think about yeah, yeah what's the story what's your subplot or yeah what are you going to plan after that and how how are you going to keep it so that you continue to flourish that you continue to have something to look forward to and plan in your life so that you're living your life in a way that is inspiring and fulfilling and purposeful so Jelena, this has been so great to hear about your phases of flourishing and, and thank you for sharing your story with us. And as you know, I always like to ask my guests, what's one thing you would recommend to help women flourish in their lives? Yeah. On top of everything um, you've already shared. <laughs> well, I I was going to say, and I'm still I'm still gonna hold to this, the journaling piece is hugely, profoundly beneficial. Because like I said, you think you're going to remember these epiphany moments, um, but you don't. And also just like reflecting how um, in my fifties and all the things that I did do, I can, I can look back on that and go, wow, I really have come a long way. You can Mm -hmm. really kind of celebrate yourself, give yourself a pat on the back and acknowledge how well you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, we forget to do that. And, um, and even though like, those are the big moments, how many little moments would I 
not remember at all if I don't journal it. And even just your state of mind, when you're journaling just what you're thinking about that day, a year to a year later, or, you know, five, six years later, when you read that, you can think, wow, I really have grown a lot. Mm -hmm. But you miss that if you don't have something to reflect on. So the journaling piece is huge. Writing, there's something about the act of writing down your thoughts and your frustrations and your challenges and how you overcame that challenge and something about the act of writing it that cements it more yes. in your in your psyche and in your yeah in your body yeah. it cements yes. it in your bodies mm-hmm. so the journaling piece but one thing that i would say start with journaling is the final plot to your story and that uh that writing your own eulogy and and what do you want your life to have been about on that final day it's not really your eulogy you're not really because it's a it's a living document you can change it i've written mine 10 times already but that final um the end mm-hmm. when you are rolling the credits what do you want people to say about your life what do you want your life to have been about and then you have that piece of paper, I would say, write it on paper in a Word document or whatever, but so that you can review it often so that then your life naturally, if you're reviewing it often, you naturally want to come into alignment with that and what you want your story to be about so that you can create all of the little subplots that Mm. arrive at that end story. Does that make sense? Mm. Am I explaining that? Absolutely. And I, it it is a powerful exercise and I have done that. And if you haven't, for those listening, right, it sounds kind of morbid, but it actually is a really powerful exercise. Thank you for sharing that. And I almost got goosebumps when you said, and I've never thought of it that way, as the credits are rolling, what are people saying? And it also just made me think about life and credits rolling and thinking like, who would get the credit in your life? Like, who would you be thanking and the acknowledgements and the supporting, like what, who supported you? So I don't know, there was something about that, that, that also is interesting. Like, what would the credits say, right? Like when you're, if you're thinking of your life as a movie um, and yeah, with the eulogy, like, what would you want your eulogy to stay, to say? And uh, I think that's a really powerful exercise and activity. Thank you, Jelana. And um, how can people get in touch with you? So how can they find out more about the new Entrepreneurial Women's Collective and you um, to to connect? So my website is probably the best place. um, And it is site, S-I-T-E, site.jelanaray.com. Okay. com And, and Jelana Ray, be- can you just spell that? Yeah. It's J-I-L-L-A-N-A-R-A-Y-E. And we'll put that in the show notes. So site.jelanaray.com. Yeah. Yeah. So in there would be a, uh, a way to get in touch with me via email, um, a way to get some of the, the free resources that are um, available on finding your purpose and um, med- recorded meditations and um, journaling prompts and things like that. 
Excellent. Yeah. Okay. So we will put that in the show notes and you can get connected with Jelana through her website with all of those amazing tools and resources that she has available. So thank you, Jelana, so much. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your phases of flourishing and how women can flourish in their lives. Thanks for listening to the She Flourishes podcast. I hope this episode has inspired you to keep on creating the flourishing life you deserve. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend who would benefit from it. And remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you're listening. To learn more about how you can live a flourishing life, head over to brendajasmine.com or follow me on Instagram at underscore brendajasmine. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, keep on sharing your gifts with the world. See you soon.